Rutgers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard Brewer fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I am your host, Tyler, a.k.a. T. Plush, and I am riding solo again on this Wednesday evening. My two other compadres, uh, Sunshine and the Vanilla Gorilla, unable to attend I'll cut them some slack. We got people moving and coaching like 80 sports this fall and the guy pulling, you know, working until 10 p.m. and then has to be back at 5 a.m. crap that likes to be pulled on us every now and then. So we'll excuse them from this because, man, they are missing a great recap of a brief two-game series against the Twins. I mean... The Twins were a little sloppy on defense, and the Brewers were, uh, let's say, failed to capitalize on a lot of opportunities, but ultimately end up splitting the game, or the two-game set, excuse me, one-to-one. And first off, before we get started with the recaps here, kudos to you, Brewer fans. On a Tuesday evening and a Wednesday afternoon, both games had over 40,000 fans. I mean, my hat is off to you guys. That is incredible stuff. And I know Minnesota um, isn't too far away, and there was, you know, a fair amount of Twins fans there from what I could tell. But there was also a lot of Brewer fans there, obviously. You know, it wasn't like one of those situations where the Cubs are in town and it's sometimes it feels like a 50-50 mix. It it definitely wasn't that. Um, So Good job to you guys. Um, wish I could have been there. It sounds like it would have been a great time. Um, but before game one here started, uh, lineups were released and Yelich uh, was back in the three hole, um, which I found, or excuse me, he was never in the three hole as a brewer until this series. So I thought that was kind of odd. Um, you know, typically he had been with the trend in the MLB starting in the two spots. Um, but, you know, in game one, uh, Kane was leading off Hira and then Yelich, and then in Game 2, it was Grisham leading off Grandal and then Hira. So, a little bit different, you know, I don't know if it's Council just trying to mix things up, or if, you know, putting Hira in the two-spot kind of protects him a little bit, that way uh, pitchers can't, you know, kind of pitch around him a little bit, because Hira's a dangerous hitter, um, and then obviously having Grandal in front of him, I mean, the guy leads the Brewers and walks, so anybody can get on for in front of Christian Yelich uh, is good, but I I don't know how I feel about it quite yet. It's, it's weird seeing him bat, batting third and not second that we've become very accustomed to. Um, so we'll, we'll guess we'll have to see what Card Council decides to do moving forward. Um, but, I mean, all in all, it was good to see Yelich back in the starting lineup in general. You know, he'd been out for almost a week with that back injury. 
Other news before game one on Tuesday was that Corbin Burns, don't worry, he's not coming to the MLB. He was sent down to double A, actually. I mean, so obviously struggling in triple A, and I'm not quite sure what to think of the move yet, whether or not it's just a uh, tactic for the Brewers to maybe try and get him some confidence now at the end of this season leading into next year, or if, you know, if it's kind of like motivation, like, hey, you got to step up your game, otherwise you're going to keep working down in the minors and not up. Um, My guess is it's just to restore some confidence in him. Um, I don't know if he'll be used at all once September hits and the rosters expand, but, you know, Either way, the man needs confidence in something to look forward to um, within, you know, at least if it's not used in September, at least towards the 2020 season. As for the game, um, the Twins sent a left-hander in Perez out in game one, and I'm sure a lot of Brewer fans heard, you know, how he'd been terrible his last however many starts, and, you know, the Brewers, they kind of got to him, but they kind of (laughs) didn't. I mean... Uh, the Brewers had so many batters left on base. Uh, you know, actually through the first six innings, they left nine on base. <laughs> um, and Perez was kind of a mixed bag as well. Perez for the Twins, that is, not the Brewers. Um, you know, he had his cutter was working really well. Sometimes he would, you know, it'd start off the plate and right on the corner, you know, like it should. And then sometimes it'd start middle, end on the batter's hands. And then other times he just left it right down the middle. So um, there was definitely, uh, you know, the Brewers left some things on the table there, which was definitely frustrating. Um, but, you know, he seemed to be generating, generating a lot of weak contact. So, you know, despite getting all those runners on when it mattered, you know, Brewers just couldn't pull through. Um, it is worth noting that I think Moose was robbed of an RBI in the second. Um, Polanco, the uh, shortstop for the Twins, made one heck of a you know, play. because more over second, actually, ranging all the way over there, spinning and throwing at Moose by half a step. Um, so that didn't help either. As for the Brewers, they sent Chase Anderson to the mound. He was good through his five innings, only giving up three earned runs. Um, All of them came within that third inning, which kind of generated a high pitch count for him. I mean, not that he typically goes over five, but, you know, his last few starts, he at least, you know, go five and a third, five and two thirds, um, but didn't even get a chance in this game. Uh, Most of the action really came late. I mean, that's when the dramatics came throughout this game. And it started in the top of the seventh. I mean, it was a bad outing from Jake Faria. Uh, I think I've been pronouncing his name wrong the last couple of podcasts. It is Faria. Um, so he's given up it runs in two of, out of three Brewer appearances now. Um, ended up giving up a run on two hits there. In the bottom of the seventh, Christian Yelich gets an RBI double. Um, fantastic base running from Kesson Hira to score all the way from first on that. <laughs> um, the play, the throw was cut off, so it would have been interesting if it wasn't, um, if he would have been safe or not. But either way, uh, the rookie was flying around those bases. And then later in the seventh, Yasmani Grandal hits his first home run since the beginning of July, and it could not have come at a better time. You know, three-run homer. And 
what, 94 at-bats it had been since his last homer, which was a career-high drought. Um, so hopefully more things to come from him. He was swinging the ball, or the bat, excuse me, pretty well in the game earlier. Um, seems to be attacking the first pitch now a lot more, which is something you don't see out of him. Um, cause he's a pretty patient hitter, obviously, with leading the Brewers in walks. That proves it. Um, but the ultimate, you know, gut punch for the Brewers comes later here in the eighth. Um, Drew Pomeranz starts the inning, gives up a double, um, and then a walk by only recording one out. So that's, you know, another bad appearance for Pomeranz. Matt Albers comes in and replaces him to get the second out, you know, and his fastball is reaching 95, which man was amped up. That was good to see. And then Craig Council calls upon Josh Hader to record the third out of the eighth and first pitch. Yep, you guessed it. Home run launched way out of here. Uh, Gut-punching wreck for the Brewers there. Um, And then, of course, Brewers aren't able to get anything going in the ninth to ultimately tie or win the game. Um, But backing up to that home run by Hader, I mean, obviously that is the talk of the town again this week. You know, and after the game, Council and Hader, they talked about it, and they both seem to say similar things in regards that location is the problem. I mean, the, I saw on YouTube TV today, they were talking about all the home runs Josh Hader gave up, and they showed, you know, the exact locations of, you know, the last, I think it was six or seven home runs he've given up. And the one he pitched on Tuesday night was actually in a pretty good spot. It was low in the zone. Um, apparently, he was trying to go high, according to his postgame press conference, so he missed the spot by a lot. <laughs> um, but the other the other pitches were, you know, dead center um, that hitters are hitting for home runs so yeah I mean I guess location is an issue and for a guy who still generates you know close you know high 45 to 50 percent uh strikeout rates throughout at bats you know it's obviously the fastball is still an effective pitch um but I still stand pat by what I went on record saying last podcast that just throw some sliders to keep them off balance I swear to god that the home run issue will probably it it'll go it'll be non-existent again you know just like it was last year it was not a problem last year same baseballs from what I'm concerned <laughs> um, so you know obviously home runs being up in the majors this year I don't think is a contributing factor to Josh Hader's struggles it's I I'm still on board with pitch selection nothing to it besides that anywho. Moving on to game two, um, the Brewers return the favor. They give the gut punch to the Twins this game, um, ultimately winning it in dramatic fashion. Um, but Yelich, again, in the three-hole, as I mentioned, second game in a row. And the game did not start off too hot. Gio Gonzalez gave up two solo home runs in the first. Um, and then, you know, Brewers kind of responded um, by... Grisham and Grandal reaching, and then Keston Hayera hitting an RBI single in the first. And then, of course, they load up the bases. Lorenzo Cain's coming up to bat, and I'm like, yes, this is a perfect time for him to break through and grounds into a double play. Just absolutely demoralizing. In fact, he only had one hit this entire twin series, which, yeah, I know, short sample size, one series, but yikes. I mean... I don't know quite what to do with Lorenzo Cain. Um, 
I still think Trent Grisham should be in the lineup, um, which he was today, and he was brilliant because, <laughs> you know, if we fast forward into this game in the eighth inning, it's a uh, Trent Grisham versus Sergio Romo showdown, round two. Um, Trent Grisham grounded out, or excuse me, flew out in the last at bat of Tuesday night's game against Sergio Romo. Had a, I think it was an 11 pitch at bat, so he saw everything he had to offer, but. This time in the eighth inning, Grisham gets the best out of him with a three-run homer to put the Brewers ahead um, that they eventually do hold on to. Um, and you think that was dramatic. I mean, Matt Albers um, ultimately was the closer in the ninth inning, and um, Alex Claudio recorded the first out. Albers came in, got the second out, and then he walks the bases loaded. Walk, uh, three straight walks. And then ultimately get C.J. Crone to fly out. But, oh, gosh, that was giving me a heart attack in a day where uh, Craig Council said, I'm not going to use Josh Hader because he's in a slump. Uh, we, you know, we had to have Matt Albers come through for us, and he did. Um, so, two, yeah, I guess really the two big talking points of this game is Trent Grisham. You know, he has reached that status where he needs to be in the lineup. Aside from the three-run homer, he also had a few hits today. And he's producing in the leadoff spot, which is something Lorenzo Cain has not done all year. You know, we experimented around with Grandal, and eh, that was okay in the leadoff spot. But Trent Grisham's everything you could look for. I mean, he makes contact. He has a great eye. Uh, he runs the bases extremely well, and then he is just the nicest human and have ever. I mean, if you watch his post-game press conference, he's very humble. Everything is yes, sir, and you know relates everything back to the team and how they've made him you know adjust because he's only 11 games into his big league career. I mean, the guy. I hope he's a rising star. It might be too early to say that, but he just seems like a very nice. Very nice human, and I'd like to see him start. You know, whether that's for Lorenzo Cain, uh, you know, I don't have any issues with that. Um, he has started a few times against lefties, seeing how we've seen so many of them recently, and that's when he doesn't lead off for the Brewers recently. Um, it, granted, his success against lefties hasn't been as tremendous as it is against righties, but he's made good contact. Um, so I think that's important. He's just kind of gotten a little unlucky in that regard. But, you know, righties, lefties, he should be the leadoff hitter the rest of the season, I think. Uh, and then the other thing was, you know, Josh Hader obviously not pitching. And there was, you know, a lot of talk like, you know, is Craig Council going to use him you know, in a few games here where it's non-high leverage situations, you know, to try and get him out of this slump. And, you know, because that's kind of basically what Josh Hader said it was. He said, I'm in a slump. Um, you know, I don't think Craig Council is going to have intentions of doing that. The season is too short right now to be wasting Josh Hader innings on, you know, a game or if the Brewers are down by like four runs like it just doesn't make sense he is still our number one high leverage guy you know he had today off um so heck the Brewers have a very important series coming up this weekend and heck if you use him two games this series or this weekend I'm that's fine he does not need rest he he just needs to break out of it figure it out on his own and yeah, sure, Matt Albers has done a good job of late, but 
<laughs> he almost faltered today, almost. Um, but Josh Hader's still the number one guy out of the pen for me. Other news in Brewer Nation, you probably didn't hear about it because it's kind of a weird move, but the Brewers signed Tyler Austin. Uh, he was DFA'd from the Giants. And if you're like, who the heck is Tyler Austin? I don't blame you. Um, he's a first baseman slash outfield. He was obviously sent down to start here in Triple A, um, but he's batting 187 on the year, which is atrocious. Um, so kind of the thought process was, well, he's a right-handed at batter. They're gonna use him, you know, against lefties, because uh, currently they've been doing Grandal at first and Pena catching when lefties are on the mound. Um, so then I looked a little bit into Tyler Austin's stats against lefties. Uh, this series batting 217 on base percentage of 323 and then a slugging of 434. Um, and then his righty stats are even lower. Um, so <laughs> not good. Um, he did have a little bit better success in 2018 against lefties, but again, nothing really outstanding. He's got a little pop in his in his bats, uh, 17 home runs last year combined between the Yankees and Twins, um, but this year obviously hasn't been the same. So, you know, with that being said, I honestly think the Manny Pena catching and Grandal at first against lefties is still the number one option for the Brewers. I mean, Manny Pena is hitting fantastic against lefties this year. Uh, he does only have 55 at bats, but he's got 18 hits. Four of them are homers, eight RBIs. Um, so, you know, ultimately that adds up to a 327 batting average, a 403 on base percentage, 636 slugging, and then wait for it, the OPS 1.040. Yes, that is pretty dang good. Um, you know, granted, small sample size, 55 at bats, but Manny Pena has given us no reason to you know, not put him in against lefties. <laughs> and Grandal, yeah, he's had a few hiccups, we'll call it at first, um, but for the most part, he's been really good. And I have no complaints there. Um, honestly, it's putting your best offense out there, which is what I think the Brewers need to do, and that's kind of the tactic they used last year This at this time of the year. I mean, obviously, Jonathan Scope was a defensive liability, um, and they stuck with him for a good majority of the games. And, you know, I don't really think Grandal's as big of a liability um, out there as Scope was last year. So keeping with your offense um, is definitely the route to go. And because you, you never know what you're going to get out of pitching. The pitching staff is super hot right now, starting pitching-wise anyway. Um, but, you know, we've seen this season that can turn on a switch. Um you know, there always seems to be one thing not clicking with this Brewers team. So the one thing you want to count on is getting the best offensive line out there on a daily basis. Uh, looking ahead, we'll just briefly mention this. Uh, the 2020 schedule was released. It is going to be the 50th season for your Milwaukee Brewers. And opening day will be March 26th against the Cubs at Miller Park. And that's about as exciting as an opening day as you could hope for. Uh, I hopefully will be in attendance because that sounds awesome. And I've never been to an opening day game before, and it's on my bucket list. So I should probably reserve those tickets as soon as I can. Um, other things schedule-wise, uh, their longest stretch of the season without a break comes April 27th through May 18th. That is 20 straight games. 
June seems to be the month for the most off days. They have five of them, you know, obviously not including March and April because there's a lot in those. Um, but three of those are on Thursdays, two on Mondays. Interleague opponents, obviously the Twins, per usual. And then we drew the AL East this or for next year, excuse me. Um, so at home, we get to see the Tampa Bay Rays, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the New York Yankees. And then on the road, we see the Rays again, the Red Sox, and then the Baltimore Orioles. So those are definitely exciting matchups to look forward to. Um, but I'm not really going to dive deep into that schedule because I'm more focused on 2019 right now. And the Brewers have a huge weekend ahead. They travel to Washington, who currently are the leaders in the wild card. Um, but not by much. Brewers are only a game back of them. So... Heck, Brewers take two out of three this weekend. Um, that could mean that they're suddenly in first place or tied for first of the wild card, depending on how the Cardinals do. So, I mean, just like that, one good weekend here could get some momentum going again for the Brewers. Um, obviously, they took two out of three last weekend against the Rangers, split 1-1 here against the Twins. Easily could have been 2 nothing. But unfortunately, it wasn't. So the Brewers are playing good baseball. I mean, you can't just rattle off, you know, like five, ten-game winning streaks all the time. So, But the Brewers are putting themselves in position to do that with their recent play, and they're going to get tested here um, this weekend. We're sending Adrian Hauser, who is probably coming off his best start as a professional, to the mound on Friday. Uh, and then we're sending Jordan Lyles, who is probably David Stern's best acquisition so far from trade deadline pickups, or excuse me, trades. He wasn't necessarily a pickup. And then Chase Anderson will start the finale, who he's been really solid since, you know, the beginning part of July. So putting together a good six, seven weeks here um, where he's really buckled down and been an anchor for this pitching staff. So with that being said here, it's, you know, I think if the Brewers ultimately don't win the series this weekend, it's not the end of the world. Because if you if you look ahead, we have a series against the Cardinals next week. Um, and I'm blanking on who the other opponent is, but then they have the Cardinals again the following week. So, I mean, Cardinal games will be high leverage games, very important as well. Um but obviously you hope that the Brewers don't have to rely on that and they pick up some wins here this weekend. Um, but until then, I am going to sign off here for the day. Make sure you guys are checking out the Wisco Sports Trilogy website. Um, we post all our podcasts there. We also have some blogs. You can find uh, Bucks content and Packers content on there as well, for we do have those podcasts. And again, they can be found on your listening plat platforms at Bucks trilogy podcast and packers trilogy podcast and of course you can find our podcast on the fresh or at the fresh take on twitter um, that national media coverage platform has been awesome to us so far and they are a great group of guys so if you have not heard of them check them out they are worth it but until then i will see you guys uh probably on monday when i talk to you about the national series so adios